Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. It is Tuesday, April 21st. I am with my sister, Julie Dolan, in Dallas, Texas. Julie, I feel like I've been gone for two years. I mean... (laughs) Where have you been, Leanne? I've missed you. I know. I'm going to tell you all about it, but that was just epic. I don't normally go away for nine days to three cities and multiple airports. And wow, I feel like I saw a lot of the country and did some wild and crazy things. So I'm going to tell you all about my trip today. What's been happening where you are? Well, uh, Leon, uh, I, I, not too much. Okay. We've been waiting for your return. We've been okay. working hard, Leon, when you were away, just churning out those podcasts. That's what we've been doing. Good. Excellent. Uh, you caught me with that question. Leanne. I'm sorry. I didn't have an answer. Well, I thought you had a special dedication for the I show today. I do have today. a special okay. dedication. Is it time for me to do now my special dedication? do the dedication. Okay. I think that it is very appropriate uh, that we dedicate this show on April 21st to uh, to the Duchess Kate, because, you know, this is we're coming to the end of April and she is expecting her second child at the end of April. So it could happen any time. So as she's sort of patting around the palace there in her bare feet because her uh, shoes don't fit anymore. I don't think that's the case <laughs> with Kate. We just wanted to know where we, you know, we're dedicating this show to her and to the baby. And I hear, Leon from reports from Royal Watchers that one of the names that's in the running uh, for the new uh, royal baby is Alice. I have and seen course, that too, Julie. Yes. And of course, as uh, as longtime listeners to Satellite Sisters will know, my first grandchild is named Alice. So uh, what I, I see that as just, a one, first of all, a wonderful name and then a great benefit because I believe there will be a lot of products <laughs> that, that, that will have the name Alice on it. Right? Don't you think? Yes. Yes. So, uh, so it will be easy to get birthday and holiday gifts for uh, my granddaughter that that are that, that will look like they're monogrammed, but they're really not. So, so this show is for you, Kate. Okay. That's nice of you, Julie. And I know a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, we, we considered uh, doing recaps of the Royals, the new show on the E's and then we E network. And then we decided it was even too trashy for us. Yes. Uh, but I have still been enjoying that show. You have? have oh gosh. Oh, it's really descended into complete, <laughs> complete trashiness. But uh, so I, I just wanted to let people know if they want to talk to me about it personally, we can, we can, uh, recuse ourselves to the, into the Facebook page and do that because it's just the stupidest show of all time in the best possible way. So there you go. But we are going to get to uh, Sister Sassnatch. We have a double double episode situation because I was not available last Tuesday to do the recap of episode 10. And then of course there has been episode 11. So th- both were jam packed with action and jam packed with other things. And we're going to yes, talk. They were. There was a lot of jamming, Leah. Yes. <laughs> So 
<laughs> oh, Julie. Uh, so we're going to get to that at the end of the show. It's Tuesday. We have two Tuesday trends. We have some really important world news uh, coming out of Target. So we're going to talk to you about that. But, Jewel, let me just give you a brief personal recap of what I've been up to for the last 10 days. Because uh, Do I need a map of the United States to follow along at home, Leon? I mean, where have you been? All right. Well, here's what happened. I, I, committed, uh, I committed to two things about 15 months ago. I committed to a girls' weekend with my high school friends. One of my Wonderful. friends had lost her home in Hurricane Sandy. It blew down, so they had to build a whole new house. So she wanted to celebrate that. She said, let's do it at my house at Fairfield Beach where I grew up. So that sounded good. And I had been asked by my hometown library on several occasions to speak there. And I thought, well, as long as I'm going to fly all the way to Connecticut, I'll, I'll do that. And I'll speak at the library on Sunday. And I picked this particular date because it looked like it might jibe with my son Colin's spring vacation and maybe we would get in a college tour. Mm -hmm. And so he'd Mm -hmm. come with me and then I'd stick him on a plane and I'd stay for the weekend. But then his robotics team qualified for the world robotics championships in Louisville the following week. So long story short, Colin, we skipped the college tour, but I still had committed to Connecticut. So I went to flew into New York, rented a car, drove to Connecticut, you know, did my speech, had my girls weekend, got in my own personal college tour. (laughs) Well, you did mention you wanted to go back to school. Yeah. Well, are you you applying? (laughs) No, this is just, you know, for him, but I was there and I had a rental car. So I thought I might as well go look at a campus. And then I got on the plane, uh, in LaGuardia and I had to go, uh, through Charlotte. And I only mentioned that because it was pouring rain and the president arrived. So needless to say, the, the, (laughs) The airport was frozen and uh, my plane was very late into Louisville. And then I spent the next four days at the World's Robotics Championship in Louisville. So it was a lot of airports, but it was a lot of fun. It's hard to dress for those kind of uh, events, Leah. World <laughs> Robotics events and big uh, public speaking tours. It was hard to know what to pack. And, uh, you know, because I was on so many different short hops and I was actually on two different airlines. All of a sudden, like checking a bag got very expensive as mm-hmm. it does now. I was like, yes. really? So I ended up carrying on stuff, but then packing auxiliary stuff in Colin's bag. I had to pre-pack 10 days before, like get a little bag of stuff for robotics, Julie. I had my high school t-shirt, my hat, some comfort sandals that I absolutely needed at the convention center and like a clean pair of yoga pants. That went in his bag. I had my roller bag. Is that bag. the official outfit of Robo- robotic moms? Yes. Robo-moms? Yes, it is. Is, is that what? <laughs> it is. It is. It's a good look. It yeah. is. Super look. And then, uh, then in Connecticut, of course, my friends and family, they gave me lots of gifts, but I didn't have another inch of stuff to carry on. Mm-hmm. So then I had to actually mail two giant packages home from Connecticut. Not the least of which was the fact that they have really good Goodwills in Fairfield County. And I found a beautiful Banana Republic suit for my son to wear to the prom this weekend. <laughs> So, I'm on a, you went to the Goodwill? Went to the Goodwill. Well, this was a trip. It was a journey. Maybe your next book should be about this trip. <laughs> Something friend, for everyone. 
My friend Liz lives on Martha's Vineyard where there are no stores except Vineyard Vines. And she is a high school son too who needed a suit. So she said, have you seen the new Goodwill in Westport? It's like a Neiman Marcus. It's like the most beautiful Goodwill you've ever seen. And she was absolutely right. It was a fantastic Goodwill. So there was this un never worn before tags on Banana Republic European cut suit that I know is a $400 suit because I just looked at them for $50. How could I not buy that? So <laughs> I bought it, shipped it home. But that's what I mean. I had, I was mailing stuff. I was dragging stuff. I was shoving stuff in my pockets to get it on the plane. A lot of different trips, but I did it. Um, so, but first I would just like to thank all of the satellite sisterhood that showed up at Pequot library. I had low expectations. I really didn't think anyone would come. I was thinking it was just like something that would be fun to do at the end of this girl's weekend, but we had a great crowd. There were people that came from the Jersey shore and for other parts of Connecticut and all over the place. And it was really, really fun, uh, that you showed up, but Julie, it was like, this is your life and Dolan because my parents moved from Connecticut when I was in, uh, in college. So, uh, I haven't really spent substantial amounts of time in my hometown in 30 years. Mm -hmm. So I don't have that experience of running into people. And this was, I don't, I don't have that. So this was really the first time I had seen people in 30 years and honest to goodness, my ballet teacher showed up, Aww. Mrs. Gaynor showed up. I mean, so and she, nice. I, I was, I couldn't believe it when she showed up. I was like, Mrs. Gaynor. And she looks like Judy freaking Collins. She looks unbe <laughs> unbelievably beautiful. She's like a slightly older Judy Collins. My high school drama teacher showed up. She had read about it in the paper and there was Miss Congella. I, I couldn't, she looked unbelievable. I said, you must've been like 22 when you were teaching at the high school. She said, I was, I was like 23 when you were there. So she looked great. Uh, there were people I babysat for, you know, I had my family, the Jensen's that I was a mother's helper for, for many years. And they were there and they brought pictures of the kids that I had sat for who are now like 38 <laughs> and have children of their own. But that was great. My aunt Nancy was there. There were a uh, Quite our a brother few. Jim, our brother Jim uh, uh, introduced you. Right? He gave the introduction. He did a masterful job. I mean, it was, it, I, I barely needed to say anything. He pretty much covered everything I was going to talk about, but he did a really wonderful, thoughtful job. Of course, Jim did. My niece Megan came from Long Island. Uh, she's expecting her first child. So it was fun to see her. My aunt Nancy was there, who is much more famous than we are in Fairfield, Connecticut, because <laughs> she, she is one of the biggest real estate agents in town. So she has a cult following. People as I can't tell you how many people said to me, are you related to Nancy Dolan? I was that's, like, yes. That's how, that's how I identify myself now when <laughs> yes. I return to Connecticut. Is yeah. I just say I'm Nancy Dolan's uh, niece. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. my aunt Nancy was there, the whole Dolan contingent in their blue blazers. Good to have them all as always. Good. I mean, it was uh, friends of mom showed up, you know, which was super nice. Now, a lot of women, Mrs. Baldwin was there and Mrs. Van Arnhem, Julie, sends a special hello to you and to Brendan. Yes. And I mean, it was really overwhelming. And I had actually prepared kind of some funny material about the people in the audience who I kind of had a heads up might show, like my high school friends, obviously, and stuff. I got up in that podium. I was so overwhelmed. I couldn't speak. It was did just you did you choke up, Leanne? Totally, totally yeah, choked I up. I mean, it was really something to be 
back in this room. I spent a lot of time in that library growing up. That particular room is where I went to dancing school. So it was the night of many torturous social events. Our dad was on the board of the of the uh, Pequot Library. It has kind of a spectacular rare books collection for a public library. Uh, so it's just, it was very emotional. I was really surprised. I pulled it together, but I thought, oh, I left so much good material on the table, but I just couldn't. I thought if I start down that route, I'm just going to um, cry like a baby. So I did not do that, but it was really, really fun. And I wanted to thank all of the Satellite Sisterhood that showed up. It was really an unexpected treat uh, to speak there. And um, it was and great. If you're in, if you're in our Facebook group, you have seen the lovely pictures pictures of Leanne um, that, uh, at, at the Pequot Library that were posted at uh, the, the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. There, You look lovely. The poncho is a totally winning uh, look. <laughs> it was a good look. Uh-huh. That was a last minute, like, I was going to do something else more complicated. And I saw that. I'm like, I'm going for it. Going for the yeah. poncho. Yeah. It's artsy, but not too much. <laughs> doesn't So you think. Doesn't okay. scare people in Connecticut that much. And then I did get a blowout that day because I thought, you know, what if, what if one of my old boyfriends from high school shows up? And then I remembered I didn't have any boyfriends in high school. <laughs> so that was unlikely. Oh, that's all, that, that solves that problem. That they were going to show. But um, it was really, really kind of a, a, a special event. So mm-hmm. thanks to Pequot for inviting me. That was fun. And then... Uh, and but that's then, early on. I mean, people don't relax. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause you're, you're, we're only on like day three of her journey. Okay. Yeah, what and then I had next? fun with my high school friends. One came down from Martha's Vineyard. She's lived there for 30 years. My friend Alyssa's house just finished at the beach. And so li- literally there was only a bed in it. She didn't have any furniture in yet. Um, but that was great. We hadn't again, spent any substantial time together in quite, uh, quite a few years. So we took a dance class together woke up early in the morning, went to dance class because that's where we all met at dance class. And, uh, we went out to dinner. We walked on the beach. Uh, we did something we never did in high school, but we did it. We went bowling. We went disco bowling. (laughs) Really living it up. Well, my friend, my friend, Melissa, she just loud things. It's not her thing anymore. Like she can't go to a club. She brings, she wears earplugs regularly, like just walking around town. So, so she wasn't quite ready for a club, but we knew we needed an after dinner activity. Disco bowling. Disco bowling. Disco bowling. Uh, I'm a terrible bowler and remain so. Uh, And, and the disco music doesn't help, but it was really fun. So it was good. And then we went to the Goodwill. So that is a fun weekend. Okay, you want to know the elements of a of a girls' weekend? You just heard it, folks. Disco bowling, goodwill, dance class. Oh, dance class. Okay, Leanne. And then I had like an extra day to kill before I went to Louisville, so I thought, you know, I'm gonna go. I I'm gonna. First, I'm going to call. A, my son's interested, or I'm interested for my son. I'm not going to kid you. There's a small liberal arts school in Connecticut I think might be good for him if he wants to go to a small liberal arts school in Connecticut. You know, we're just starting that. He's a junior. I'm not going to say the name because I want him to have some privacy, but doesn't, they're all, they're very similar, all the small liberal arts schools in Connecticut. So, uh, but I called the campus beforehand. I'm like, is it weird if I show up without a student? Like, I don't want to be the weird, creepy helicopter parent, but you know, we, we do live in California. It's an expensive trip out here. 
I can't guarantee he's going to be able to come before he applies. So they said, no, no, we, we have lots of weird, creepy parents that show up on their own. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the norm now. I'm also, it's, it's the ones that like move in the dorm room. You know, that's where they have to draw the line. Lillian. So, uh, so, so that maybe so. our sister Sheila should start going on college tours. She could meet some like single parents. Oh, no, no, wait. Later on in the trip, I met the guy for Sheila. No, oh, I met him. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I saw, I spotted him. Uh, so, um, so I went on this college tour, which was really fun. It was a beautiful school and, uh, there was a presentation and here was the problem. Like the kids were not interested in responding at all. This admissions Mm -hmm. counselor was desperately trying to create an interactive session, like introduce yourself. Where are you from? What are your extracurriculars? And, um, you know, what, what do you think this means? Or what does interdisciplinary mean to you? Or who can define a liberal arts education? And there's just, they were not having, they don't want to answer that. They did not want to answer anything. (laughs) And it was killing me not to raise my hand and answer because you knew the answer didn't you? i did i know the answer julie i know what interdisciplinary means so <laughs> just it was so they asked all the kids you know where they were from and their extracurriculars and and then he sort of looked at me because again i'm the only one there without a child so he said but you got the poncho on so you could be any age no, all right go julie, ahead julie i was wearing that red raincoat at that the the oh, one i didn't yeah, get well, to wear in dc too. Yeah, yeah that was could be it, any age because yeah. it was raining so that was helpful and uh so uh he, i said i'm leon i'm from Pasadena, <laughs> california and my extracurriculars are laundry and grocery shopping and so it's <laughs> got a good laugh so you were working the room leon <laughs> You're on a college tour and you're trying out, out, trying out some material. material. Yeah. Oh, brother. <laughs> and you got to laugh. Okay. So is that your, what's your, your new like hobby? You're just going to go on college tour? <laughs> a plant. It was really affirming. It was really, I have to say, self-affirming. Um, but oh, it, it looked like an excellent college. I mean, let's face it. College is excellent. So uh, it looked like an excellent college. And then I headed off to Louisville uh, to the World Robotics Championships. My son's team had qualified at the last minute uh, at the California State Championships by making the semifinals. I had no idea what to expect, except I knew there was a group stage where they did a lot of qualifying matches, and then they to get they had to be finish in the top eight to be guaranteed to get out of the group stage and move on to the playoffs. And so, and my son had mistakenly told me that the group stage was only one day. So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have like three days to kill in Louisville. So I better. <laughs> Plan some activities. Go more college tours? <laughs> yeah, I know. I can go see Louisville. I can, yeah. So, um, but the good news was they won the group stage. Well, and fantastic. then they moved into the playoff round. They were seated seventh in their division. They teamed up with the number one team in their division. I, I've explained in robotics before. They have, they work in tandem. They work in teams, but they get to draft their own teammates when they get to the playoff stage. And they were drafted by the number one Chinese team, Julie, which <laughs> seems like a powerful ally it's to just, have. just what you want. I mean, really. Yes, you do. You really. I mean, I can't. In robotics, no. I cannot think of a team that, you know, maybe the Japanese. But no, I, you I, know I, what, Julie? You know who the robotics powerhouses are in the eventual winners? New Zealand. No. New, New Zealand. Zealand? Yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, they got Lord of the Rings and robotics, and that's, <laughs> that's it. 
They got but, a lot of time out on that island, and that's what they're doing. Okay, very interesting. So, but long story short, uh, it was an incredible experience. It would have been an incredible experience anyway because it really felt like a world championships. Here's some things to love. They had an opening ceremonies, Julie. There mm-hmm. were 29 different countries represented. They, that's every, impressive. It was impressive. Everything from New Zealand, China, India, South Korea, Bahrain, United Arab Emirates, uh, Canada, you know, England. I thought there was just going to be like one team from Canada and yeah, they were going to call, they call no, it international. No, like a lot of airports, big contingency right? from Mexico, big contingency from Colombia, from Brazil. I mean, unbelievable. The parade of nations that they held. It was in a huge expo center. They had a stage, Julie. They had giant screens where they were showing, you know, the live feed. There was fireworks. <laughs> there was music. And what did you wear to the opening ceremonies? Julie, like, I wore my pants t- and the t-shirt and, and t-shirt the comfort- and the baseball hat. Yes, and the comfort shoes. That's what I wore, Julie. That's what I wore. But it was unbelievable. It was really fantastic. I loved the whole thing. And then, you know who else is great? The mayor of Louisville. So he showed up and he'd be a good date for Sheila because he is a, yeah, I don't know if he's single. So I know we have some satellite sisters that maybe could get me some intel on the mayor of Louisville, but he's a very charming guy. So uh, there you have it. And then we had, um, you know, the whole thing was just about kids kind of finding their tribe. These are really the nerd Olympics. These are kids that are into STEM and math and science and finding, you know, creative solutions to technical problems. Uh, and they, there were some amazing robots there, clearly some really smart, intense kids. It was just super fun to be a part of it. And, I, you know, I think... Those kids used to get lost in the system. You know, they'd be the weird kids in the corner mm-hmm. and now they have their thing. They've got, they've and they're going to rule the world land because robots are going to rule <laughs> yes, the world. Yes, they are. No, as one very intense robotics dad said to me, uh, who's worked in technology and done very, very well in technology said, he goes, you know, our generation had, had Bill Gates and Steve jobs, but these are the kids that are taking the internet and then making it happen in a different way. They are using the internet to now create manufacturing. So he was, he said, I know that I have a picture here of one kid that's going to start a hundred million dollar company, you know, probably a billion dollar company. And so good did for Colin him. get any, uh, did he get any first round funding uh, no. at, this, at this event? <laughs> yeah. The VCs were swarming. <laughs> well, let me ask you, you know, because your background is that you are a, a sports parent. Your, yes. uh, your older son yeah. uh, played soccer for like, I don't know, 50 years. Yeah. You know, you were constantly going to matches and games and things like that. So you're very experienced. What What are the parents like of, uh, of robotic uh, kids? You know, is they're... it the same? Is it the same sort of caliber where, you know, some are, you know, overly aggressive or, you know, what's going on in the stands? That's like? a good question. You know, it's clear uh, some people know a lot more than I do about the actual mechanics and programming (laughs) of robotics. Right. Right. So there's a group of parents like me that are just enthusiastic. We enjoy watching it. Then there's, there is the next level of parents that clearly have a scientific background and can Mm -hmm. understand it on a deeper level. So you do see them. There are parents quote coaching from the sidelines, yelling things out, just like a soccer match, man on, man on. (laughs) They're yelling. They're yelling what things. Yelling at our I was just, you know, I can't, just hilarious. I mean, it just made me line up differently. You're an inch off. You're an inch off. I mean, it was just, 
I'll go for the cones. I mean, it's just hilarious, like to me. And then, then there are the parents that are just outright programming the robot. And that uh, there was oh, some really? clearly. Uh, I won't. I won't point fingers at any specific country, Singapore. But uh, cl- <laughs> clearly, there were coaches that were just. You saw it really at the middle school level, where these robots were performing at a much, much higher level than a middle than I know a middle schooler could do. Yes. So. So they were clearly overly involved coaches, but you know, you could tell the intensity really got jacked up on the last day as they go for their qualifying matches. And then we move into the playoff rounds. And then Julie, I was on the plane and, uh, leaving Louisville. I was, happened to be on a different flight than my son, just because I had to go to 12 cities and he only had to go to one. And there was a, I was talking to the kid next to me who was from Hawaii. His team from Hawaii had qualified. He was a middle schooler, came over and he asked how my son did. And I told him, and then this one coach turned around and said, Oh, are you robot 4,800? I was like, yeah. Well, she, she started trash talking our robot, Julie. She was Whoa. trash. Yeah. Oh yeah. She Whoa. was taking me down on the plane. They clearly wanted to team up with the Chinese. She felt like she had a better robot. And I, I was like, are you trash talking my robot? Like, what the? Get a TSA me? agent, get her off the plane. Whoa, that's really me? shocking. <laughs> okay, but my favorite mo- moment of the entire event came at the end. So there are five divisions of 90 high school teams. So there were 450 high school teams. My son wins his division with the Chinese team. It's an alliance with St. Francis, the Chinese team, and a team from Tennessee. These three move to the big stage area. They have five pits all set up. You know, again, lights, live streaming. They're going to play this round robin thing. And then the two top teams will go for the finals. And that's where they finish fourth overall. So they, uh, um, but in interspersed, they have all these awards and everything. And the big sponsor of the event was the U.S. Army. Um, and so they managed to like go to central casting and find the most handsome army colonel you've ever seen, <laughs> seen like okay. fully decorated shows up. He's going to give out the design award, which is kind of the big award, uh, like for the best designed robot. That's a big deal. And, but he, but he introduces himself that he, he went to West Point, was a mechanical engineering major, and then talks about how the army wants kids like you. And, you know, you can, we can give you money for college. Doesn't matter if you're going to Stanford or the Ivy Leagues, you know, that there are ROTC programs there and everything. And one of the hallmarks of robotics, which just says a lot about the kids who are dressed in capes and fedoras and wearing costumes and just letting their freak flags fly is that they can name the teams anything. They don't have to be named, you know, St. Francis High Robotics. They can be the Robo Tigers or they can be, you know, one team was We're Big in Japan, you know, and (laughs) another team was the Cheesy Poofs, you know, and these are from like real high schools. Uh, One team just was named Timmy, which I thought was really funny. (laughs) Sort of ironic. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's like Mr. Army Colonel and he announces the big award. The design award goes to a team from New Zealand, Wingus and Dingus. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best moment. 
just really summed it up. So everybody had a laugh with that one. Everybody had a laugh. So it was just an absolutely fantastic event. So I absolutely loved it. Well done, Louisville. They signed a five-year contract there. So the Vex Robotics World Championships will be there for the next four years. So you're going to go back. You're going to take Sister Sheila, introduce her to the the mayor. mayor. Or at least this Army colonel, because he sounds pretty dreamy, too. He was dreamy. He was great. So uh, that's it. But uh, more to come. I, I, well, I know we have other stuff to move on to. So maybe after the Kentucky Derby next week, I can do an analysis because I did take the back, the back barn tour of the Kentucky of Churchill Downs as well. That was the okay, one thing well, I got a chance any, to do. Do you have any ponies you want us to bet on for the Kentucky Derby? Do you want to uh, American that? Pharaoh. Yeah. He's the one we saw him working out. Uh, and apparently he's the favorite and he looked good to me, Julie. <laughs> Okay, Liam, that's good. pretty fast. That's, that's, you heard it here at Satellite Sisters first. Okay, that's good. your scouting report. Put your money down on American Pharaoh. Yeah. Okay. American okay. Pharaoh. So anyway, thank you. Thanks to all the Satellite Sisters who recommended places in Louisville and then said, oh, never mind, you can't get there. There's a giant fireworks show. So... <laughs> <laughs> thanks Oops. to derby week but we did we had some good barbecue we got out to a couple of good meals it was a very nice city lovely city lovely people lovely people and incredibly good waiters and waitresses i have to say some girls hustling some waitresses really hustling because you know That's what you are. yeah you're hungry you're hungry after. you're hungry and you have a large team dinner you have like 30 bo- kids and parents that's a lot that's a tough table and so good job good job louisville well that's an outstanding report thank Maria. you Thank you. But things have been happening in the world since you were gone. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you landed in Los Angeles in time on Sunday to experience uh, the melee that happened at Target over the weekend. I did can we not. Talk about, can we talk about Target? Please, yes. Right. Well, as some of you may know, Target from time to time uh, has the limited releases of designer clothing, okay, that they get designers to design exclusively for for set, uh, for Target, uh, sort of a, a, a less expensive line of their items. They've done this with Missoni and with other brands. And so this Sunday was the release of Lily Pulitzer, um, uh, which is, she is the queen of preppy, preppy clothing. Can we say that? Is yeah, that, no, that's, you, I think you that's... know, Lily Pulitzer, it's very, uh, she's from Palm Beach, Florida, uh, very brightly colored uh, shifts and uh, bathing suits and lots of flowers and pink and lime green and blue. And it was heavily promoted here in Dallas. I don't know if it was in Los Angeles yes. or in Louisville, yeah. wherever you were. So, uh, but, you know, they really, uh, they had some cute ads and, you know, but they had, they just, the demand for the Lily Pulitzer um, clothing was out of control. I mean, the lines here in Dallas, people started lining up the night before because it was going to open on Sunday. Did you? And and so hundreds and hundreds of people were trying to get this merchandise uh, either in the store or online. At one point, they crashed the uh, Target website because there was so much demand for the uh, for this Lily Pulitzer uh, merchandise. You know, I had no idea like that it was that Lily was that popular outside of areas that are super preppy. 
I, I just, I didn't know that because I think of, you know, Lily is just those summer shifts that other, our mom was not a real Lily Pulitzer wearer, but other, other moms in Connecticut were growing up, you know, and they had the golf skirts and tennis skirts yes. and the shorts and, shorts. Have, and the mean, men with the, like, they have like, you know, crazy colored pants for men. And yes. Stuff like and that. it was very popular in Connecticut because it was meant to design for people in country clubs in Connecticut. So I, I just, I was surprised that it was such a nationwide thing. I, I think of Lily as being just a tiny slice, but Julie, I got, I landed at one o'clock Sunday. I knew all the stuff was gone. It was gone. I, there wasn't even any point in going. Did you no, snag no. any for I, Alice? Well, I thought, yeah, because I thought it would be really cute to get for my granddaughter, Alice, yes. you know, a little shit. Yes. I mean, yes. she'd look cute in it or yes. maybe one of the little bathing suits. So I thought I might swing by after church, but forget it. You could, you couldn't even get in the, you couldn't get anywhere near the parking lot. So I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so there was no swinging by for Lily Pulitzer. So, but you know, it's, but they, they created, you know, all this, you know, they created all this momentum and people demand, and then they can't meet the demand. And then all these people go away mad. And, you know, then, you know, and then now, you know, they're, they're reselling the Lily Pulitzer stuff on eBay. Yeah. That makes seems me, crazy. That seems wrong. Yeah. That seems totally wrong to do it. I mean, I guess they did camp out overnight to get the stuff so that they have put some sweat equity in, into, <laughs> into the merchandise there at that point. But I mean, why not, why don't they just you know, manufacture more ships, you know, or <laughs> more know. pillows. What, what's I, up? I, I'm sure that the re, a retailer could tell us why that because the limited edition creates the demand. And if it was just all Lily all the time, no one would care. It would just be target clothing. But for some reason, knowing that there wasn't much of it that you had to line up the night before, that's what makes it special. Would I buy a $40 Lily Pulitzer shift? On eBay for a hundred dollars? No, it's still a piece of Target clothing, right? <laughs> right, Wayne. Right, right. It's but not I that think special. I mean, but, but for Target, I don't. It seems like it creates so much ill will. You know, it like makes me mad. Why do you do that? Okay, I, I don't think so. I think you're one of the few that have ill will. I think other people enjoyed it. It was a it was a thing. I saw tons of people facebooking about it and social media and someone commented i can't wait to see all of us in the very same lily pulitzer shift this summer I if, was I was, if i see some woman in those lily pulitzer flip-flops that which look really cute I, i'm gonna be mad i'm gonna rip okay. them off the feet okay I, I i i i anticipate some violence Leon. there's gonna be violence <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That but I I would like that explained. I just don't understand like as, as when the you know the the uh the people in charge at Target when they sit around and they try to you know they try to they talk about their strategy how you know you know how this works for them. Well, I think the first time I can't remember who the first designer was that they did this with that it's sort of Really, uh, Mizrahi, I think maybe they Mizrahi, really, yeah, and it, then Masoni. They it did really it. caught them off guard. That, yeah. like, I think the first time it was sort of an accident, but then it became kind of a thing. So, because sometimes you see the designer where it just sits there. Some of the stuff does not sell out really fast. Yeah. This just happened to be kind of wearable, fun summer stuff that people, you know, wanted to be a part of. So, okay. don't be a hater, Julie. <laughs> Let's move on. Just okay, move on. Leanne. Okay, Lynn. I'll try. I'll try. Well, I want to move on to a couple of other trends, Lynn, that are out there. It's Tuesday, and we, and we like to be on top of these trends. 
well, I don't know whether this is good news or bad news, Leanne, but dinner theater is back. Wow. What do well, you think about that? Uh, I guess think? it depends on the quality of the theater and the quality of the dinner. But okay. So, well, this is it. It's dining. It's drinks. It's drama, Leanne. Ooh. And it really is sort of, it is, it's the intersection between the, like the theatrics that is now a part of dining, you know, that the chefs are now all famous and they, and they, there's a whole element of surprise when they bring the dishes out and the presentation of the food. So they're trying to sort of up this as to create more atmosphere in the restaurants. And one of the ways they're doing this is with magic. There, um, there's a oh, restaurant. Well, it, say it, no more. I, I'm 100% okay. out. I hate, ma- I hate magic. <laughs> I would rather have a hundred mariachi bands walk into a restaurant <laughs> than one magician. Sorry. I know. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that sounds it. great. Oh, wow. No, that's it. Like the, the nomad hotel in New York city. That's exactly what they have. They're trying to create the surprise and wonder that they have in their food because they do have a, a world famous chef there. And so the unnatural alliance is food and magic, but you, you're not, not, not for me. You're not going there. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're trying to, they're trying to like curate the whole experience. There's another restaurant in Chicago that is doing multi-course meals and you're looking at video art. So as you're sitting there, there are big screens and the art is changing as you're being served different items. Huh. How's that sounding to you? You know, I guess it's, if you're with people you don't want to talk to, that sounds like a great idea, you know? <laughs> I mean, there's some dinners where you don't really want to talk to your dinner guests, so that's a great idea. Yes, let's watch video screens. <laughs> yeah, and, and they do some levitation at this uh, Nomad Hotel in New York. Wow. <laughs> so, so if you really didn't, we, that, that would be part of it, too. But people do like magic. Um, they're even Cirque du Soleil is um, in talks uh, with with, with a couple of restaurant uh, chains to see if they can sort of, you know, spice up the dining experience. That but would I just that- be demoralizing because those people have such incredible bodies. If you're sitting there like eating, you know, <laughs> French fries and then those Cirque du Soleil people come in, forget it. Forget That's going to backfire. I don't think yeah, that's a good it's, idea. It's, 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 their bodies are too good. Yeah. They're going to be hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. So I mean, unless you gonna- was a colonics restaurant. That's <laughs> other than that. I just, I don't think that's going to be a successful pairing. Okay. Well, Tuesday, where's one Tuesday trend that Leon is not going for? So, all right. But here's another one. Shoes, okay? That they had a big story in the Wall Street Journal this week about that the growth of running shoes has actually kind of slowed down. And that, in fact, that it has shifted away from people don't want to buy those high-tech, high-performance shoes. What people are now buying, Leon, is the casual lifestyle shoe mm. where it looks like sporty, but it's really for like walking around in the mall perhaps, yes. or just walking around walking in the to garage. dinner theater. Right. Yeah. Walking to dinner theater. So, um, yeah. Have you seen some of these shoes? They're cute. <laughs> yeah. They're- yeah. I mean, that's, I, I get that. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're actually, most people never actually ran in their running shoes. So there, you know, there's, I, I wouldn't buy it. 
I don't understand walking around in running shoes either if you're not a runner. So that makes sense to me. This is a trend well, I can sort, appreciate. They're sort of comfortable. Those, so they're, they're lifestyle shoes. They're casual lifestyle shoes. And I have, you know, Lena, I have a trip coming up where uh, I thought I could use a pair of casual lifestyle shoes where I didn't, I don't want to wear sandals. I wanted something sturdier than that, but so light and packable. So I, I went to the Foot Locker to see, uh, see, see what they had. And I saw Nike has a whole brand of sort of lifestyle shoes. And they had one, uh, one you know how they always name their models yeah. of shoes. And this was called the Internationalist. Oh, and I thought, oh well, that has my name. Yeah, it, it does. And the nice girl at uh, Lady Foot Locker said, oh, you'll like this shoe because it's really old school. You know, it's got that, it's got a nice old school look on it. Leon, I put that shoe on and I just looked old. Yeah. I'm just telling, there is, that was, it was a sad moment when I realized I can't do old school because I am old. Okay. And that's, that's, so I went for a high tech performance shoe, Leon. That's flashy. It's got lights on it, you know, whatever. That's, that's it. But I, I think it's something that, you know, perhaps other people uh, might, you know, might want to be on the lookout for it. So third trend, and uh, this is is about, it's sort of the life cycle of food trends, Leon. You know how f- some foods come into fashion right. and, and then they fade. And, I mean, can we talk about toast enough? I mean, Leon, you I know, know. I know. You and I started it and it just exploded. It exploded. There's not a day at our Facebook page that people don't mention it. But there is a natural arc of a food fad. First, it starts with sort of discovery. It's some, you know, somebody, it's a small group of people. Not many people are in on it. Remember, we were in on that uh, butter in the coffee. Remember, yeah, I tried right, that, the bulletproof right. uh, coffee. So that, that was that's the start. So there are a lot of products like that that would that are still in the discovery phase. And then as it gains in popularity, it moves more to sort of the emerging phase where, you know, this is something that foodies know about, like high quality, fancy butter. Do you ever buy any of that? Like that pure Irish butter? Uh, I do occasionally. Butter? I just I'm a Tillamook butter girl. So I okay. do spend a little money on butter, but I don't I don't need uh to know where the cows are from. You don't need, okay, you don't care that you're there, not Irish cows, no. even though your name is Leon Dolan. I think you should rethink your position on I that. I mean, you know, occasionally in a special event, I'll buy a, a, the Irish okay. butter. Okay. But in general, I'm good with the Oregon cows and the Oregon Wait. butter. You know when a food product has really taken hold when it has, when you see it being used in other forms. The example is Brussels sprouts. I mean, you used to just boil them up right. and you roast them. But now we have Brussels sprout salad, which right. you know I tried this past Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then ixnay on that. Ixnay right. on that, Lynn. Yeah. You don't want a cold Brussels sprout salad with your turkey dinner. Mainstream is... I had roasted Brussels sprouts at, a, uh, at the barbecue place. Where was I? I just... I ordered a side of roasted barbecue Brussels sprouts and they were fantastic. It was someplace unexpected. And I was like, well, these are really good. I didn't know they would have these at a barbecue place. It was you good. You can see now uh, Brussels sprouts have totally taken hold. Yeah. As a, a mainstream, it's like gluten-free. It's totally mainstream yeah. now. It's taken hold. You know, or pricey organic eggs. Okay. That's now not just a foodie thing. Everybody is looking for those free range organic eggs. But here's the one that has me, that gives me great promise for kale. And which is, I'll get to my point. I know this is a long, long way to get there. As you know, kale is everywhere. But at some point, 
you move on from some of these food fad products, such as pomegranates. You remember when pomegranates were it? Oh, you had to have pomegranate juice or pomegranate seeds. It was so good for you. But now you know you can get the same nutrients from blueberries. So why not have the blueberries, Leah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So pomegranates, they're out. I predict this is what is going to happen to kale. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> that we are going to get the nutrients in kale from something that tastes better than a juniper bush. Okay. <laughs> okay. That, that is my report for you. <laughs> Whoo. Okay. It's a long way to go. For, I know it was Leanne, but it to was get in and get and, to get in your semi-annual anti-kale statement. Well, I don't, again, I, I had a delicious kale salad, several kale salads this weekend, uh, in Louisville. And cause I, you know, every once in a while, you just need a kale salad on the road when you've had a lot of burgers and barbecue otherwise. So, uh, I'll be sorry to see kale move on, but I have to be honest, it doesn't taste that good. You know, yes. <laughs> push comes to shove. I'd still rather have a spinach salad or an arugula salad than a kale salad. But, um, oh. you know, I know Julie, I know you feel strongly about it, so I hope that's what happens to Kale, if that's what you want. That's yes, what you that's, want, Jewel. That's really what I want. It's fine with okay. me. All right, Lena, I think it's that I think we need to move on uh, because we have a, a double episode of Outlander to discuss. We do. Right? Yes, we definitely do. So uh, we could take a break or we'll just roll. We'll just roll into this, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. So... For those of you who are following along, we are doing a recap of the Outlander TV series. We're calling it Sister Sassnatch. We are now doing episodes 10 and episodes 11. Uh, Julie, you have the names there. We have uh, episode... By the, pricking, by the pricking of my thumbs was the for, uh, episode 10. And then the devil's mark, Leon, was episode 11. I have to say, Julie, there's nothing like coming back from a nine-day trip and having two episodes of Outlander on your DVR and no husband around. He, My husband is on his own business trip now. I was in hog heaven uh, <laughs> last night just being able to watch these two episodes back-to-back. It was like a mini Jamie Fraser film festival. It was fantastic. All right, so let's start with episode 10 by the pricking of my thumbs. Julie, this episode had it all. There was writhing, there was riding, there was poisoning, there was fighting, there was dueling, there was manipulating, there was blackmailing, exiling, there was witchcraft, and we even had a giant peacock on a platter. I mean, it was peacock pie, Leon. That's that's going on my Thanksgiving menu. That's this was a jam-packed episode where so much happened. Uh, Where to even start? Where do you want to start? Well, let's just start with the opening scene, which was all about SEX once again. I mean, there it was, eye-popping SEX coming right at you in the opening scene. And as I watched this scene, my thought was, Claire is never going back to the future. (laughs) She is never going back to the future. Come on. Right? I know. There were several moments over the two episodes where she really did have to choose from like, handsome Highlander or boring historian like Jamie, handsome Highlander, Frank, boring historian. And in that moment, Julie, I believe she was choosing the handsome Highlander. Don't you? Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. You know, what struck me though, about the whole episode, uh, the number 10, first of all, clearly their production budgets have gone up from season one to season two, because now they're doing more, you know, extensive exterior shooting. We're seeing various castles and 
great houses and things like that. There's just a bigger sense of grandeur for the production. But mm-hmm. Julie, the textures, the textures of the clothing and Ooh. all those things she had wrapped around her neck the whole episode. Lee, and that that was right off the bat. That was amazing that she had, you know, all the the fur, the fur coats. And here's a little behind the scenes. You know, yeah. the New York Times did a big story this past weekend about how the executive producer of Outlander, Ronald Moore, and the costume designer, Terry Dresspatch, are in fact in love and they get to work together. Oh, that's very nice. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) So they have, you know, they they both had uh, very successful careers and they fell in love and then they came to work on this show together, which is, and so they're in hog's heaven, but they... You know, they had only one uh, sort of disagreement, which is there was the one scene, uh, sort of a ripping bodice scene where Cap- Captain Blackjack Randall rips the bodice off of Claire's dress. Uh-huh. And and so Ronald Moore wanted the scene to go one way. And Terry kept saying, you know, you can't put all those stitches in those, you know, dresses. They just don't rip off that that quickly. You know, <laughs> oh, good. So they had a little, you know, behind the scenes little argument about that. And Ronald just said, you got to make the dress rip off. And so, and it certainly did. And it certainly did. But she, Terry made a very important point when she talked about the costume was how constrained, physically constrained the women were of that age. Yeah. I mean, when they had to like get all like roped into those things, they could barely move or breathe. So you know, it's hard for them to be as assertive as you possibly want to be, you know, if you can't breathe or move, you know, <laughs> when you think about it. I mean, they were really uh, tethered in a very different kind of way. So just a little behind the scenes, Leanne. So oh, carry well on. Carry good, on. Good, good. So in this episode, we see a little bit of Scottish history here. We have the Duke of Sandringham coming. Yes. We know that he's allied. He pretends to be allied with one brother, but he's really allied with Dougal, the Jacobite brother. Uh, and Claire knows this because her boring historian husband uh, from the future <laughs> has told her this. And so, but the Duke also, you know, likes young men instead of women. And so there's a lot of interesting blackmailing there. There's a fabulous house. There's more like woven leather around Claire's neck and she kind of strikes a bargain with him that uh, she won't reveal some of his secrets if he helps her uh, file this claim and maybe get Jamie off the hook, which is good because he's a, a want a man, a price on his head for a murder that he never committed. Uh, I don't, don't you don't think, don't you think the Duke reminds you a little bit of the a dowager from um, Downton Abbey? <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, he's got, you know, he's got a, a just a grand style about him, the wigs, the high heels, the waistcoat, the pinky ring, you know, he's really, and he's got some fabulous lines, which he has a scribe sitting there in his, in his main living room, writing it down for his, uh, for his book. So I liked him. Yeah, I liked him a lot too. But then we have the jealous teenager who really wanted Jamie for herself. She is making some threats uh, to Claire. She left like a bad luck omen under their bed, which sees a lot of action, as we know. Mm-hmm. And so then Claire has this scene in the kitchen yeah. with her where Claire just rips into her, like, lay off my husband, lay off me, and then slaps her. And that's going to come back to haunt Claire, isn't it? Oh, I know. But Claire was so fierce. In that she, was fierce. She, she was fierce. She was fierce. 
and that that young girl she's total fatal attraction she is like crazy you know you you know she's crazy and but she's so crazy she's not gonna give up because she thinks jamie's her man but claire was fierce i loved it and then we had gellis the witch in town or sort of the potion the healer in town who reveals that she is in love with dougal okay and okay uh, that was that was a good one but, but first, my surprise. she did a lot of writhing in the moonlight with fire uh, and a lot of nakedness. And uh, speaking of Cirque du Soleil, I mean, she could be a Cirque du Soleil performer, didn't you think? Yes, I did, Lynn. First of all, my first prediction is that we will be seeing those super nice torches that yeah. were out in. The, they're going to be at Pottery Barn. Wouldn't you love some of those for your backyard? They were gorgeous that those women were driving around. And certainly the best line of... Uh, of this episode was uh, is what was when she said the icy wind whispering over my nipples makes them as hard as acorns. <laughs> Best line of the episode. You can't write of that stuff, Leon. Well done, Julie. Well delivered too. Almost yes. as almost as good as Gellis in her little high kind of whiny voice with the reedy voice with the accent. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but she was really a rock in the witchcraft there. And then she revealed that she's pregnant. Uh, Claire could see that, and that the father is Dougal, and that they're in love, and they've fallen in love for political reasons, and they mean to run off together. And no surprise, hours later, Dougal's wife drops dead. And then several hours, and then there is that raging scene. Dougal needs to get a hold of himself, doesn't he? I know, really, being a raging drunk with swords, it does not mix. That's what I wrote down, Leanne. I just, just a note to self. Yeah, I don't, he was out of control. He was just (laughs) flailing around with a giant sword. Yeah. And then then Claire like puts him down like a racehorse with (laughs) some sort of potion. But that was, that was unbelievable. And then hours later, Gellis's husband like keels over in the middle of the big state dinner for the Duke of Sandringham. And we know Claire lets us know it's poison. It's clear from that. Like the old guy had terrible, irritable bowel syndrome, but (laughs) this is, this is poison. Ooh, it just didn't stop, though. Didn't I stop. know. I know. And then Colin, the brother, obviously understands something's going on here. He can see that Gellis and Dougal have something something happening between the two of them. That was a long, lingering exchange of looks with, like, slow motion, <laughs> slow yes. motion footage in the background. Her husband's just killed over, and these two were having a moment. So Colin exiles exiles uh both uh dougal and forces jamie to go with him because jamie managed to get himself all mucked up in a duel <laughs> so- oh yeah we got to we the duel scene was wonderful i loved 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 it and it totally out downton dabby <laughs> anything don't you feel like this show the outlander they think about downton abbey yes and- that's what i mean those exteriors yeah. and stuff that's starting to look like a much grander production than yeah. last year so yeah, yeah i like so the duel was wonderful, and then a good old fight with the, against the clan, Leon. So that was it. Was really a fine scene, a fine scene. Well, I like that Jamie keeps finding himself like three on one, like, and he's got uh, like ten swords. He's like that, you know, Hugh Jackman is that werewolf character, whatever, whatever that movie is. I don't know what that is. So he's just like ripping people up, stabbing people, and that apparently is just the way things roll there. Any. Yeah. Any incident can become like 
a, a sword fight. You know, yes. it doesn't matter. It's like a lacrosse game or what they were playing field hockey that one day. Robotics, got yeah. com, com, you know, competition. Right. Yeah. Just Friend, bring out the big swords. Family drink in a bar. It all goes south very, very quickly there. So Jamie's off. Dougal's off. Jamie gives her a warning. Stay away from Gellis. Things are yes. rough there. And then that little teen witch gets yeah. back, draws, draws Claire into the mystery, draws her to Gellis's house, and they both get arrested for witchcraft. Locked uh, up. I know. I know. And I was like, no, just take off that beautiful textured thing around your neck so you don't <laughs> choke to death, which they did. He took that home to his wife, that guard, I think. And so then we're left hanging. What's going to happen? The witchcraft trial is about to start. So we move into episode 11, The Devil's Mark. Okay, what would you, you think of this episode, Joel? Uh, I love this, Lena. Yeah. This was a fantastic episode, uh, sort of sort of emotionally. I, I really felt connected connected to it. Um, there was a little less SEX in it. Yes. You know? uh, so uh, more like storyline. So so that was good. you know. And it was witch versus witch in that opening scene where they're in that pit but it was it was you know again Claire Claire's a pretty good actress. She this. is a good actress. You know, that was an excellent scene. They were so mad at each other. Uh, so uh, you know, but but they're still in those corsets, Lee. I know they're in the pit, and I don't know how they were sleeping on the rocks. You know, but they knew that this was it. That they were accused of being witches, and you know they you know they had to spend a terrible night in the pit, and then the next day, okay, this this was the best line in the Devil's Mark mm. as they're pulled out of the pit and they're obviously uh, building the stake where they're where they're going to be burned at in a little while um it's gallus says it's not a maple claire she didn't didn't know what it was so so what do you think of that trial lynn well i like that uh the mckenzie lawyer ned gowan shows up like mark garagos you know he's like he's like He's like Robert Durslayer, you know, Dick DeGaron. He's He shows up. He doesn't really, he doesn't have the blessing of Colin McKenzie to come and defend them, but he's going to defend them anyway. And he has sort of that kindly old man turning testimony around. And it looks like things are going pretty well for the witch defendants. You know, even the creepy priest shows up and that's a dramatic moment where he kind of acknowledges that exorcism was not really the path to go, that Claire seemed to have a special gift. You know, we hear about the changeling baby. That was actually very moving, I thought. There was, Mm -hmm. you know, Julie, time and time again, I'm surprised that, like, the acting is better than it should be and the writing is better than it should be in a story that is essentially about time travel. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) But But hopefully, don't worry. (laughs) But I have to say one thing about the courtroom scene. I have, if you look at that scene again, that the, the hair. The amount of bad hair yeah. in the courtroom from the spectators, I was like, that is the most disgusting hair I've ever seen in one collection of people. I don't know. I, I guess they just, that, that town had no shampoo, no soap whatsoever. There's a lot of bad hair. You know, way. sometimes I don't understand, like, don't you see the dirt on your face? Don't you know you're dirty? Like, why... Wouldn't that bother you at any, uh, that's in historical dramas, you always see that, that like everyone's dirty all the time. I mean, in Scotland, they have plenty of water. It's not like they were. <laughs> that's right, Leanne. They could they wash, could wash up. their faces. Wash up. And wash their hair. 
I don't know. I'm sure it's not a historian. I know they didn't have a lot of mirrors like we do. And they weren't as, they didn't understand the benefits of hygiene like we yeah. do now. I would just think it would be uncomfortable to have your face be dirty and bloody. It's often bloody too in, in Outlander, often dirty and bloody. But then, uh, then the tide turns on them and, uh, they have to turn against each other. Ned Gowan says, this is our only strategy. Claire, you have to testify against Gellis. You have to say she turned you. But Claire's a satellite sister. She won't do it, right? Yeah. I, that's, I, that's, I love that. And I think she was really strong. But Gellis has quite a defense where she just, again, rips off the bodice. Of yes. The, that's, <laughs> that's her thing. She just is a, she's she a hippie chick. Yeah. the wind. <laughs> on, On her acorn nipples. I know. She just... At heart, she's like in 1968. Now we know why. Now, Julie, did that surprise you? Because I have read yes, the book. I so I knew I that was coming, that. but I, you I did didn't not. I know that. And as soon as she said that she was a 1968 hippie, it just made total sense. Her character <laughs> made sense. So, so I got that. <laughs> yes. Gallus secretly reveals to Claire that she is also from the future. And then she, she, she really falls on her sword. Uh, Claire is able to get away when once again, Jamie shows up swords ablazing and like, fight. And it's like 50 people on one and, and he's there, you know, and he just, he, he's the man, Lynn. He, he is, is the, the man. man. He's the man. Again, why is there ever a doubt? Handsome Highlander, boring historian. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why there's ever a doubt, which is again, why people, why 20 million people have read the books because there's no doubt in anyone's mind. So Gellis falls on her sword. She rips, uh, again, we, we know she rips off, off her clothes, but she shows us quote, the devil's mark, which is a vaccine mark. Uh -huh. And so there you go. That's a, you know, a turning point as Jamie and Claire, uh, go off into the forest, uh, together, they manage mm -hmm. to get away. And again, couldn't someone lace up the back of Claire's dress? She's just—I know she's, she's a little drafty. I mean, she drafty. didn't get She never eats. She doesn't drink anything except liquor. I just worry about her physical health. But she'd have a nice slice of peacock pie at the end of the day. So but then, this, this so scene was touching. It right? was very touching because she has to reveal. Uh, Jamie asked, "Well, you have the devil's mark too. It's a vaccine mark." And I'm just sitting at home going, "Don't say it. Don't say it. Please don't say it. Please, things are going so well. Please don't say it." And then she says, "It. I'm from the future." And then, <laughs> that's when you're reminded, right? This is a story about time travel. Okay, I thought it was just a sweeping historical romance, but. It, the heart is about time travel, and I know that turns a lot of people off. But then she tells her story, and what does Jamie do? I know. He believes her, Leanne, and he takes her. He loves her so much, he's willing to give her give her up. I know. To, to I know, Jewel. I know. I know. That was like, I was like, no, <laughs> don't go back to the rocks where, I don't know, somehow you managed to go through the rocks to a different time <laughs> Okay. I know. You I'm, know how much I hate time travel. I know. Almost as much as you hate ma I magic. But, but he does that because he loves her. I know. I know. And she can't do it. She can't go back. Again, why would you? Why uh, other than hot showers, really. I mean, that's, there are a couple of things you're going to miss from the future. But you're really going to miss, you know, Jamie's wake-up call. So, uh, Jamie, <laughs> good morning, Jamie. You're going to miss that a lot. I mean, a lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> so at the end of the episode, uh, Claire shows up. Jamie, he's back. She's back. She didn't go through the rocks. And there's that tear. Did you see the, the tear? tear? I know, Liam, the tear. So I'm Ooh. in deep now. I I've lost my husband. He won't, he won't watch it anymore. I don't know. I don't know at what point, but he just, I think it was like the witches dancing in the forest. He, he, he left. I was like, fine. I'm, I am in deeply. I'm, I know. I'm going all the way with Outlander. Okay. All right. So who, so next week we know they get to Jamie's castle and what, I mean, it's just, I thought it was very touching when he said, there's only like violence and danger here for you. And that's what we've seen week after week. There's just a lot of a physical violence and he's trying yeah. to protect her from that. But there we go. Gellis, 1968. She's the man. That was very brave of her. I liked yes, it. Was. I hope. Yeah, that was. <laughs> she was a love child. She was, she did it. She, she did. That's it. It was, a, it was a very, you know, that was the generation of the protesters. They were strong. You know, they just, they stood up to the manly. And so yeah. And she thought she was going to come back to the past and make a difference for the Jacobites. She had, she was on a mission, you know, mm -hmm. she was raising money and she was going to support the, uh, the rising and Claire just, Claire just wants, <laughs> wants to hang out with Jamie. And I, and think, it's a, I think it's a solid, that's solid. A, very solid, very solid plan. <gasps> All right, so stay with us uh, uh, for more Outlander recaps throughout the week. Um, you can always find us at SatelliteSisters.com. You can find us at our Facebook page or the group page. Just ask to join. We'd be happy to do that. Uh, thanks to everybody who has supported us uh, over the years. We really appreciate it. If you're new to Satellite Sisters, lots and lots of shows on iTunes, on Stitchers, or at our website that you can catch up on. And, uh, Jewel, you have any big plans for the week? Yes, Leon. We're over. Uh, we had a big birthday party celebration coming up for my husband. So that's, oh, that's uh, such a good reminder because yeah, yeah. my husband's birthday is tomorrow, and I always <laughs> forget it. <laughs> totally. Okay. I can't tell okay. how many times I've nearly forgotten his birthday. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad I could this. I'm glad Thanks. I could remind you Thank about you. your husband's birthday. Phew. Okay. okay. So Whew, I guess you have it. some plans for this week too. Yeah, I got some plans. Okay. Good one. Thank you. All right, well, have fun, and uh, don't forget, call your satellite sister. Mm -hmm.